6 this morning. The Bible says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse to a man, whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. We preach Wednesday night, verses 5 through 26 of this chapter, about the birth announcement of John the Baptist. We preached about the fact that God took the reproach from Elizabeth and brought a little, a literally a little bundle of joy known as John. And the Bible said that He brought rejoicing and joy to their home. Well, in this text this morning, this is the true biblical account of when the angel came to Mary and informed her that she would uh, have the Lord Jesus Christ, she would birth the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. I believe this text this morning. I believe every word that I just read out of this King James Bible. If you're right with God, you believe it too. Amen. And I, mean, I want to preach through these verses today as the Lord shall help me. And I, I was praying about how God... I've been here 11 years... There's only so many many ways to preach the Christmas story and to preach these things. Old Brother Virgil Barner was an old preacher. He's with the Lord now from Georgia. And I was with him in a meeting one time. It was the weekend before Mother's Day. And they asked him to preach in that meeting. And he got up and said, I gave up preaching Mother's Day sermons. There's no, I've been pastoring 50 years. There's more than... He said, there, there, there's not enough mothers in the Bible to preach 50 years worth of Mother's Days. And so there's only so many ways you can preach it. But I got this little verse, I got a little word on my heart that I want to center our thoughts around. And I tried to emphasize it when I read it this morning. It's in verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That word impossible is a big word. Not just the amount of letters that it takes to spell this word. It's just a big word. Have you ever looked at a situation, looked at an issue, looked at a problem in your life and said, that's impossible? Apparently nobody has, all right? You ever looked at something and said, that is impossible, that'll never happen, that'll never work out? Talk to me now. There's no way I can see. In fact, if you look up the word impossible in a dictionary, it means it can't be done. It will not work out. It is impossible. 
Are you facing anything in your life right now that is impossible? Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's an emotional need. Maybe it's an issue or a problem within your family. Maybe you have a lost loved one and the devil's done told you it's impossible. They've gone too far. They'll never get saved. What you're praying about, what you're asking God for, what you're wanting, what you're facing, it is, say this word with me, impossible. Impossible. I want to preach that this morning on that word impossible nothing shall be impossible is what our Bible says for with God nothing shall be impossible and I want to center our thoughts around that little phrase if you feel this morning like you are facing something that's impossible I want you to consider where we find this verse in the Bible we find it in the most impossible situation that there's ever been amen it is impossible for what that, that what the angel announced to Mary. It is an impossible situation. Here's what I mean by that. The angel has come to Mary and said, You are going to have the Messiah. The baby, uh, the, the little baby that you're going to have is going to be Jesus Christ the Messiah. And, and she said, Well, I don't know a man. Mary was a virgin. She never known a man. And and it is and I wish the the world could get this idea, but you can't have a baby without a mama and a daddy. Amen. Two daddies don't make a baby. Two mamas don't make a baby. Somebody help me. The only exception to that rule is Adam and Eve. They got here without a mama or a daddy. <laughs> Amen. And so in this case this morning, Mary, she don't have in fact she says in verse number thirty four. How shall this be? Some of you are looking at a situation this morning. You say it. How's that going to work out? This is what she. Even though she does not use the word impossible, that is what she's implying. How is this going to happen? I don't even know, man. I am a spouse to Joseph, uh, but we have not consummated our marriage. We have not completed that yet. How is this going to happen? Here's what that angel said: For with God, nothing shall be impossible. There are three things in the text I want to emphasize this morning about impossible situations. Number one, I want us to note the grace that was evident. The grace that was evident. Verses 26 through 30 this morning in our text. First of all, I find that grace was evident in this strange place. Look at verse 26, please. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Now watch this now. Unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, we know what's fixing to happen in this text. We're not in the dark. We know that Jesus is about to come into this world and be the Redeemer. He would die and be buried and rise again on the third day. We know that's about to happen. But of all the places in the world, why in the world did God choose Galilee and Nazareth? This was not a, a very good place. In fact, to the Jews, they despise Galilee. The whole region had been overrun by Gentiles at this time. As for Nazareth, Nazareth, I'd remind you about what Philip and uh, about what uh, Nathaniel said rather to Philip about Nazareth in John chapter 1. He said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? 
Is there anything good going to come out of there implying that Nazareth was not a place where they thought the king would come from? It is not a place where they thought anything good would come from. But you know what my experience is? The God that does the impossible, He seems to do it in the most unusual, the most out of the way, the most strange places. That's where God likes to do uh, the impossible. How's He going to get those Jews out of the land of Egypt? I'll tell you what He's going to do. He's going to allow a little boy to float down the Nile River in a basket. And He's going to allow Pharaoh's daughter uh, to find that little baby and raise her up in her home. And He's going to allow that little baby to grow up and be Moses. What did God do? God brought an impossible situation out of a strange place. Preacher, you just don't know where I'm at and the situation I'm facing is impossible. God likes doing it in out-of-the-way places. The strange place. But then notice verse 27, the specific person. Notice what the Bible said. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Here's what I notice about Joseph. We'll, we'll look at Joseph later, obviously, in the Bible. Oh, but here's what we, I want us to know about Joseph and Mary. They're just plain people. Nothing, nothing. Uh, I, I, Joseph is a carpenter. That is, now, now, that is not a, a, a rich endeavor. He's not a millionaire. He's not a king. In fact, we know where they ended up having to have baby Jesus that night in a barn, in a stable, in a cave around a bunch of filthy animals. We understand, so he don't have a lot of wealth. You don't have a lot of riches. Mary's just the same. They're just plain, common people. Well, preacher, I'm facing an impossible situation, and I'm not a preacher. I don't teach Sunday school. I'm not a deacon. I'm pretty much a nobody. Oh, but God likes working the impossible around just and around odd places, around the most unusual people. I mean, here's Moses. I, I don't know why I got Moses on my mind. Oh, but Moses, he's got to lead people. But he's on the backside of the desert hiding out watching sheep. He tells God, I can't even speak right. I don't. I have a speech issue. But you want know God allowed that man with a speech issue to do? He allowed him to write the first five books to the Bible. You know what God likes to do? He likes to use those people up from unordinary places and just plain, common, ordinary people. They were plain people. They were pure people. The Bible said she was a virgin. The Bible said they had not come together. God ain't going to use a dirty vessel. God's going to use a clean vessel. The strange place, the specific person. Look at verse 28, the spoken proclamation. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. This verse is not teaching us this morning that Mary was better than anybody else. Contrary to what the Catholic Church teaches, this verse did not say that Mary was highly favored above women. It said she is highly favored among women. Meaning she had a godly testimony. Meaning that others could see in her life. Apparently the context would relate that other ladies in the community could see in her life that there was something different about her. That was not, that was before the angel showed up to her. Meaning you can love for God without a supernatural experience. You can't have a testimony for God without an angel showing up in your room in the middle of the night. Somebody help me, amen. She was just a plain, ordinary person. But watch this. She was looking for the Messiah. She, she knew a Messiah would come. Here's how we know that. Because if I was a, the Lord is with thee. She's a believer. 
See, God only works in possible situations for people that will believe Him. That will take Him at His word. If you're always doubting what God said and not believing the Bible and not having much faith, you're not going to see much done. You just take God at His word. Now, the just shall live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I want to please Him this morning. The only way I can do that, according to this King James Bible, is believe what God said and have faith in what God said. Well, preacher, what I'm facing is impossible. I don't see no way this is going to work. You better believe God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct thy paths. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. Then notice the statement pondered. Look at verse 29. And when she saw him, she's like Elizabeth was Wednesday night. Everybody says they want to see an angel. But everybody that saw an angel got troubled and got fearful. Verse 29, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She has heard what Gabriel has spoken to her, but she can't quite comprehend how it's all going to happen or occur. Just because you have faith don't mean you know how it's going to end up. Faith does not mean, yep, God's going to do it just like this, this, and this, and it's all going to line up, and it's all going to... That's not what faith is. Faith is, I don't know how it's going to end up, but I know God's going to take care of it, and God's not a liar, and God's going to honor and keep His Word. Amen. You know why God didn't give us visions and dreams and, and, and your dead grandma coming back to see you give you messages from beyond the grave? You know why God, if your grandma shows up and she's been dead, that ain't grandma. Somebody help me, all right? Amen. You know why God didn't give you that? Because God gave you a Bible. And God gave you eyes. And God gave you a brain. And God gave you a spirit to read that book and believe that book. Amen. The statement pondered. But then notice in verse number 30, the sweet peace. Uh, she don't understand how it's going to work out. But you know what God did when she believed? The Bible said, the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. She believes. She just don't know how it's going to go. But you know what God gave her? God gave her peace. I, I'm glad God will do that for us in impossible situations. When we don't see how it's going to work out, when it don't make sense, when it don't, when it don't add up on paper, when it ain't calculate, when it ain't going to work, I'm glad if we'll just trust God and believe God, we may not, we may not understand everything, but I'm glad He can give us peace that passes all understanding. Notice, I, I love you said, fear not Mary. He, he knew her name and He knew her need. Her name was Mary, and her need was peace. Impossible things. The, the grace that was evident in verses 26 through 30. But secondly, verses 31 through 33, there is the greatness that is explained. The greatness that is explained. Here's what I mean by that. She hears this is going to happen, and then the angel begins to brag on Jesus. Watch this now. She's facing something that's impossible. She's facing something too big for her. She's facing something uh, that is too massive. She's facing something impossible. And what does the angel begin to do? She begin, he begins to brag on Jesus. I want to tell you this morning, when you're facing something that's impossible and you don't know how it's going to work out, you need to take a fresh look at the old book and get a good look at Jesus Christ and see how wonderful and how great He is. Watch this now. There is the declaration of His name. Verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call His name 
Jesus. Oh, you know what brought peace and comfort to Mary? It's Jesus. Amen. Uh, she don't understand how it's going to work out. Uh, she don't know how it's going to go. She can't explain it. It's impossible. She don't know. But the angel starts start saying, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me start bright. First of all, His name will be Jesus. In my Bible, that's a capital J, capital E, capital S, capital U, capital S. It is a supreme name. It is a sweet name. It is salvation's name. It is a sovereign name. It is a special name. It's a sufficient name. It's the Savior's name. I'm glad I know Jesus this morning. Jesus says the sweetest name I know. Thank God for Jesus. Neither salvation any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's just something about the name of Jesus Christ. The declaration of His name. But then in verse 32, there is the description of His nature. Watch what the angel, first thing he says about Him after he gives His name. You know what he said? He shall be great. Somebody said, God's good. Oh, I believe God's good, but God's better than good. He's great. He's Tony the Tiger great. Somebody help me, amen. I'm glad this morning that God, He's not just good, but He's great. That word great speaks of His character, His authority, His ability, His power, His attribute. Hey, you know, there's a lot of people that are good, but there's not too many great people, amen. Oh, but I'm glad God's great this morning. Preacher, it's impossible. Mary said, it's impossible. But you know what the angel said? He's great. He's great. It's not too big for Him. It's not too hard for him. It's not too difficult for him. Why? He shall be great. Speaks of his greatness, but then he shall be called the Son of the Highest. That speaks of his glory. He said he's he's not just anybody. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of the Highest. Now I love how my Bible works. Somebody said, do you understand everything in your Bible? No, but I believe everything in my Bible. And Brother Clayton, it's interesting that... that I'm getting ahead of my outline. I know where I'm going. I'm trying to get there. And I'm trying to take y'all with me, but y'all are just walking too slow this morning. Y'all got to get with it, all right? In the words of Steve Gregory, hold on to your taters. Let's go, all right? That's all my kids remember from Jubilee is hold on to your taters, all right? There is the, 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 the declaration of His name, the description of His nature. But then verses 32 and 33, the details of His notoriety. Here's what I mean by that. Verse 32, And the Lord God shall give unto Him the throne of His father David, and He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. Now hang on. He ain't been born yet. He, he's not walked on the water. He's not raised the dead. He's not died on the cross. He is certainly not resurrected. He's not even come down yet, much less ascended back up into heaven. And this angel is already talking about kingdom stuff. He said he's going to reign on the throne of his father David. This is 2,000 years ago from today. If the Lord comes today, that millennial reign of Christ will be seven years from today. The Lord comes back today, tribulation period, seven years from day, then the, the, the millennial reign will kick off. We're looking at least 2,500 plus years between these verses to where we're at now. But it looks like God already knew how it was going to go. It looks like God knew that He would be rejected. 
that He would be crucified. That He would rise again. That He would send back to heaven. That He would come back. And that He would sit on the throne as Father David. You know what that tells me? God's in control. It may look like your situation is impossible. But God is on the throne. And God is in control. We are not reformed in our theology. We are not Calvinists. But we do believe that God is God. And we do believe that God knows the end from the beginning. He gives men free will. He gives men free choices. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm glad God is righteous and holy. And He has done whatsoever He pleased. God is not up there running this off, his, off, off, the, off the cup of His sleeve. No, He's got a plan. And He's got a purpose. And the situation and the impossible thing you're dealing with this morning has not caught God off guard. He already sees the end. He already sees the end of the story. Amen. He already sees it. Whatever you're praying about, whatever you're asking God for, He sees the end of it. He already sees your support raised. Amen. He already sees. He already sees that physical need being met. He already sees that financial need being met. He sees it. Why? Because He's God. And God is real good at being God. It's impossible, preacher. Really? Your situation is more impossible than the text we are reading this morning? We note this morning not only the, the grace that was evident and the greatness that was explained, but I preached all morning to get to this last point. The God that is enough. Verses 34 through 38. Notice the inquiring that was sincere. Verse 38. Then said Mary unto the angel... How should this be, seeing I know not a man? I don't know if she called him Mr. Gabriel. I don't know what she said. I believe you. But how's this going to work out? I don't believe she's being disrespectful. I don't believe she's being rude. I, I believe she's just saying, okay, I, I believe you. I just got a question. I preached about that last week. Uh, I believe it. it's not wrong to ask y'all a question. It's just wrong to question God. She said, how should this be? The information that was sovereign, verse 35, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. It's going to be a spiritual work. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. He's going to take control. Therefore also shall that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. John Philip said Jesus would have a human mother, but no human father. Amen. We believe that, right? That would be no problem at all to a God who invented the, gen the genetic code and knows all the details of how it works. Not to mention, Adam and Eve didn't have a mom or a daddy either. The information that was sovereign. The inquiring that was sincere. Don't miss this in verse 36. I think we read over this verse sometimes and we miss the application, especially while we're dealing with this word impossible. Notice the illustration that was stated. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth hath also conceived in her old age. And this is a six-month with, with her who was called barren. So it's a preacher. How's that helping Mary? I mean, Mary's facing an impossible situation. How in the world is this angel referring to, Mary, to Elizabeth having a child in her old age? How does that help Mary? Because Elizabeth was called barren. It's what she's known for. They'd see her down at the supermarket. They'd say, oh yeah, there's Elizabeth. You know, she's barren. Ain't ever have a child. Poor old Elizabeth. Bless her heart. 
She's known for that. But you know what this angel, you know what God done for Mary when she was facing an impossible situation? Don't miss it now. She pointed her to somebody else that he had helped with their impossible situation. He showed her. Hey, you remember Elizabeth that was called barren? She ain't no more. She's done in the motherly way. She's six months along. She's beginning to show. I've done, I've done an impossible thing for her. And it is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He can do for you. You know what God did? God gave us a Bible full of impossible situations. So when I get in impossible situations and I don't feel like I can make it, I can go back and I can see Moses standing at the Red Sea and how impossible it looks. Oh, but God made a way. Oh, when there was no way. I can look back at Elijah sitting there by the brook chair and there's a drought in the land. Oh, but God sent the ravens and God made the brook to flow. I can look back to Noah in the ark and it looks like they're going to die in that storm. Oh, but God kept them safe in that ark and they got to the other side. I can see Daniel in the den of lions. It looks like he's going to make it. It looks impossible. Oh, but Daniel woke up the next morning feeling quite alright. I can look back to Shadrach right Meshach and Abednego and the fiery furnace. Anybody listen to me and see how God uh, brought them through. I can see those disciples in that storm and Jesus comes walking on the water and comforts their soul. That was impossible but He is the God of the impossible and I can look back in my Bible and see how Lazarus uh, was dead in the grave already four days uh, but He heard Lazarus come forth and God resurrected him. You have a Bible this morning that is full of the impossible. It's full of it. Turn the page. Impossible situation after another. Impossible situation. I mean, you know I could go on and on and on. They got them 5,000 men there. And then they had to bring their wives. And then they had to bring them snotty-nosed kids. Probably 20,000 people there. And Jesus says, let's feed them. And then the disciples said, Lord... We ain't got enough money. If we had 200 pennies worth, that's not enough to buy bread. Here comes this little boy walking up and saying, I got five loaves and two fishes. That's impossible. But they ate so much, there was 12 baskets left over. I'm telling you, God's given you a book, not just to read for your mental education, but to show you He is the God that does the impossible. Pick you a page, honey. Just pick you one. Full of impossible. Full of impossible. That man, that man come to Jesus said, My son, he's got a devil in him. Jesus said, Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. That, that, that lady walking out the cemetery in Luke 7, following that casket. Jesus stopped the casket and said, hey Boys, y'all got to give this lady a refund. Who ever heard of a funeral home director having to give a refund? I hope nobody in Rowan County, especially if I'm doing the service. It's over and over again. Over and over again. He's a God that does impossible. The illustration that is stated. Look, look on in verse 37. I'm about done. The impossible that was settled. Remember what we said about the word impossible? It means can't be done. But watch what God says. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. One preacher said it like this, God spells the word impossible the following way, N-O-T-H-I-N-G. 
That's how God spells impossible. Nothing. And then last of all, there is the involvement that was submissive. Look at verse 38 and I'm done. Mary hears all this. She don't understand it all, but watch what she does in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, bend unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You know what she did? Brother Jane, I still don't think she got it all. We're studying this 2,000 years later, and we're still trying to comprehend it all. So I know Mary didn't get it all that first time. And we know that later she pondered those things in her heart. She may not have understood it all, but you know what she did? She just submitted herself to the Word of God and to the will of God for her life. You're not always going to understand. You're not going to always be able to explain it. But we better always submit ourselves. Not my will, but thine be done. She submitted. You might have said the word impossible this week. It might be a child. It might be a physical need. It might be a financial need. And you said this is just... It's just impossible. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Surely I'm not the only one that has impossible things. Surely I'm not the only one. It's impossible. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. And it may not go like you want it to. But it will always go like he wants it to. I understand man has a free will. Brother Matthew's coming to the piano. I'm done. Man has a free will. Man makes choices. And, and God, does not, God does not override the free will of man. We understand that. But God's in control this morning. Are you facing anything? Anybody here got something impossible? Come on, I know I do. Hold your hand up. You, know, you got something impossible? This, you know what impossible is? It's something I can't do. I've tried to. I've tried to fix it. I've tried to work on it. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to, and it seems like I'm standing trying to hold the doors and the floodwaters are fixing to break in on me. This is impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now people will take that verse, Brother Travis, and they'll brag on, see, well, God, you can do it. It's not impossible for you. Oh, it ain't bragging on Mary in that text. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. As we stand for prayer this morning, I appreciate your attention. If you've got something impossible this morning, bring it to Jesus.